0: Welcome back. Sorry, I had to be very dramatic because it's been, what, seven, 47 years. <laughs> it's been a long time. What's felt like a long time uh, since Dylan has been back to the States. Just kidding. He's, <laughs> he went to Florida. I, <laughs> why was that so funny to me? I don't know why. Because you went to Florida. That got me. It's like a foreign country down there. It was. <laughs> uh, and you, you went to a whole, nother, whole new world. You went to yeah. Disney World.
1: I ate snacks from around the world.
0: That's true. At Epcot. That's true. So you did come back from the states. True. 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 But welcome back, everyone.
1: Hello. Uh, Shalom, sh- if you will.
0: I don't even know what that means. I
1: think it means hello in German.
0: No. And also, Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy New Year. Yeah, we're almost there.
1: Happy New Year holiday. Coming so up.
0: my dad told me he, you know, because Adam came before Eve. So what if we started calling? You know, Christmas Eve, Eve. Instead, so we just call it Christmas Adam. I like it. He like mentioned it. I think Christmas Eve, Eve, and I'm just like, you know, that kind of makes sense.
1: So we have Christmas
0: Adam, which is then, the 27th. No, just kidding. When I say <laughs> that's the 27th. my birthday, which is the uh, yes, and happy birthday to Don't Dylan. Don't change the subject yet.
1: Christmas <laughs> the 23rd would be Christmas A- Adam, Adam. Right. Okay. And then Christmas Eve, and then and Christmas, Christmas Day. Day. The original JC's birth date. Hey, we don't know that. I'm yeah, just kidding. we do but. I love to say that to my family because, like, we're all conservative Christian people. And I just love to, like, get their feathers ruffled. I was at Nanny's and that's what I was doing because my cousin Julia lied in a rook game. Caught her in the lie. She's trying to cheat. Oh, no. Calling you out, Julia Griffin, because she listens to our podcast. There's, a,
0: there's some other people who like to cheat who listen to our podcast, but we won't. Who? Oh, (laughs) my. We'll keep going. We'll keep going. Oh, my. He'll he'll know. Um, know.
1: (laughs) Cheaters, it's very disappointing. Um, But anyway, I told her, like, we're sitting around the the table. We're playing rook, and it's me and my cousin Chase against Julia and Abby. We were throat-stomping them. And Julia tried to cheat. And I caught her in it, and I was like, you know it's Jesus Christ's birthday. And you're going to cheat? On his birthday? <laughs> and she's like, we don't know that! Like, she just went on the <laughs> I'm like... I went, I'm just kidding. Hold <laughs> However, cheating is never okay. I'm and sorry. It, cheating... Whatever day his birthday is, doesn't matter. Because yeah. cheating is
0: always wrong in JC's eyes. That's right. Jesus Christ.
1: For those who need a clarification.
0: Right, right. But a lot has happened. For me, though, it's my first little sales week journey by myself. Yeah. Which was... On the sales side, lackluster, but on the service side, very, very, very crazy. Because, as y'all know... Well, actually, maybe not. There's a lot of people who listen to us who don't live in Tennessee. We had had a record cold snap. Negative, what was it like the lowest it ever got? The wind chill was like negative 25. Yeah, like that's the coldest I've ever experienced my entire life.
1: The high that first day was like... Christmas Adam. Christmas Adam the 23rd, the high was like... What, seven? Yeah, I think. Or something. It was Singular.
0: Not 17, not 70, but seven. Yeah, it was crazy. So, crazy bad and crazy good because, you know, it, us in the heating and air were nuts crazy, but we also, nuts made a good amount of money. Me and Jackson and
1: Ty went to Livingston, and I was in the truck. We... They didn't know this, but me and our service manager, Mike, we called my truck the mobile command center. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe you did not know that. So I was in the truck on the computer and on the phone. And when I would come outside, I... Can you control your shakes when it's cold? Like your
0: shivers? Can you control that? Yeah, you just have to really think about it. Because there's... Yeah. For me, I have to really like focus on me shaking. It's the same with working out. Like mind-muscle connection. If I really am thinking that I'm working my back muscles, then I'll I'll feel it more there.
1: Well, I just wondered because just, I can't control you like, know when I hunt, I'll be like in a tree stand just just <laughs> convulsing and I can't stop. <laughs> so like Jackson and Tyre like been over working on this unit and I was standing there observing and cracking jokes. And like my whole body was just shaking and I was like, This is
0: terrible. Yeah. But it was okay. We we made it through the long night. It was good. I mean it but you know what? And now we're just picking up the pieces now.
1: Yeah. Just what, else was, what else What has happened in your weekend? Nothing, that's I'm about it, share. though.
0: I mean, just Christmas was great. I got to see all my family. And I'm trying to think, but I think that was about it. Like, it, it was just a good week. I got, I got what I asked for for Christmas. I got some tools. I got some new hunting stuff. I got some knives. So it was a good week. It was a good week with family and friends. So but your week is even better, so it was
1: yours? Oh, it was fun. We went to Disney. No, it was fun. It was bit and fun. left there, and it was 70 degrees, and got back here whenever it was negative. <laughs> four. I was watching my truck, so we drove, which is okay, I it's guess. another story. <laughs> we drove, and I drove my truck, because I, I just like that. <laughs> and it was funny watching the temperature thing just slowly drop and drop, and drop and then like finally it got to one in my truck I guess one is as low as it goes because it didn't drop anymore and the, my dad's phone said the windshield was like negative 14 oh, and I went I want to go back to, <laughs> I, went to I don't right? want to go home I don't want to be here that's funny but, oh, but that so I went to Disney went to all the parks Epcot uh, Magic Kingdom Hollywood Studios and Animal yeah. Kingdom yeah we saw more animals on the safari than we ever
0: have. It was really, really? cool. It's because you went in the morning. Yeah, it was really cool. They're perky in <sighs> the
1: morning. <lion. sighs>
0: it was long. Stop.
1: <laughs> the lions um, were like playing. Aw, it was really cute. They're also deadly, but very cute. Yeah, they're so, from a farther. The cute. the two females, like one of them was crouching behind a rock. And like watching it, I thought, in my mind, the first time I went, That lion is in an attack position. Yeah. <laughs> and the lady was like, Oh, look at them playing with each other. And I'm like, That lion's deadly. <laughs> like I was like, Stay away from the lion, everybody. But, right then, but then like she jumped out and like attacked the other one. It was it was cute. No. I wouldn't want to go up there and play with them because I am a delectable snack. <laughs> I have a lot of meat <laughs> on my bones that they would like to have. So I kept that in the cart. But and then we, um, but I got to go to Disney from the perspective of a three and a half year old, and that was amazing. I mean, yeah. It was so fun. We were we walked into Epcot, had been there for like maybe forty five seconds, and we saw Minnie Mouse. And there was quite the line to see Minnie Mouse, but we endured it <laughs> because I was the designated stroller pusher for Witten, my niece. She didn't want anybody else to push her, so I pushed her for a long five days. Her pickles. Um, but as soon as we came to the park, she sees Mickey or Minnie, whom she adores, Aww. and was like, "Pickles, run, <laughs> run!" And I ran. I did what she asked. So and I did what she asked for five days. Aww. So it was fun. Very. too many, remember that forever. Too many trips on the teacups. <laughs> did me in a lot of Dumbo rides. But it was a great time. And then we came back and it was like we went straight. I got home at 2 and went to work at like 2.30. Yeah. And then worked and then went on Christmas Eve rapidly wrapping all my presents, <laughs> cooking like it was a show. It was a production. Well, wow. And then went to my parents' house for Christmas Eve where I got to watch the little girls open all their presents and that was fun. But I got some hunting stuff and... A new gun, and yeah, it was great. All of our gift was Disney, which was enough in itself. Oh, yeah. So, it was great. It was a great time. We went My birthday was yesterday. That too. So, we went to eat dinner. 23 is a very anticlimactic year, for those of you that wanted to know. (laughs) I saw a little, not little boy, middle school boy um, a few minutes ago from church, and, uh, I won't say his name. But we were talking. He was like, yo, your are He's a very, like... He talks just like a hipster kid. because That's what he is. He was like, yo, your birthday was yesterday, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, how old are you? And I was like, 23. And he was like, you're that old?
0: <laughs> and I, I wanted to smack the kid. I'm like, I'm not old. I feel old. Now you know how you're. And then feel. the best part.
1: Best part. And then I'll be finished with my spill. Spill. I bought myself a little birthday gift yesterday with the help of some others. I got a Traeger grill smoker combination. He's been
0: wanting it for forever.
1: And I can't explain the feeling of sitting in in your backyard, getting dark, okay, 30 degrees. I was sitting out there in a lawn chair on my back patio staring at that grill. Like, that's just... Just watching it do its thing. It's doing its thing, and I was like, "It's amazing!" Like, <laughs> and I had these hickory wood pellets in there, and like the whole neighborhood just smelled like hickory. And I was just like, hmm, it "Smells like a man, <laughs> love it." <laughs> so that was very good. I had to check on it when I got home and make sure it was still there. <laughs> so, I don't live in a sketchy neighborhood, but you never know. Somebody sees a trigger, I know. will be. But I have wanted that for a long time. That's one of the, like, first things... My friends despise holidays around me, I think. Because I don't I don't want anything.
0: Yeah. Like, if I... Or if you do want something. If I want something... Very, very, very expensive. Yeah. Like, if like I a want trigger.
1: something, like... Eventually, I'll just go get it, you know. Because I don't like... I, I love Christmas and I love gifts, but I... It, for me, for some reason, it's awkward to, like, ask somebody for a gift. hmm You know, so, anyway. Like this is the only thing in a long time that I've wanted for probably like six months and not already bought. Yeah. Like, and so when I got it, it was just like, I don't know. Just, I can't describe the feeling, but I'm going to get emotional. Yeah. God, is good, get emotional. So like said, God is good That's all I got to say. God is good. Crazy. It's an inside joke. But anyway, we, um, we wrapped up in Matthew 21. I gotta get this out.
0: That's okay. I'll preface. about it. Go ahead. We're gonna finish Matthew chapter. Well, we're at least gonna hope finish Matthew I mean, chapter twenty-one. It goal. probably will, but you never know. There's a lot of impactful things in here. Um, but to kind of start off, we left off at verse twenty-two, um, where Jesus curses the fig tree, and now we're kind of going into a series of challenges that Jesus is gonna have to face. And in Israel at the time, Jesus jesus day there's three principal groups of religious leaders um, and one of them is the sadducees who represented the more liberal end of the spectrum they also controlled the sanhedrin and and the tent and basically all the temple and all of its business Uh, the pharisees are another one who represented the conservative end of the spectrum they went uh, they were in charge of daily religious life uh, of the jews they gained their wealth from the money given to local synagogues and taking bribes and judging court cases. And then the third one is the Herodians who occupied a kind of a modern a moderate place between the Pharisees and the Sadducees on the religious spectrum. And they were religious they were religiously conservative like the Pharisees but socially liberal like the Sadducees. And they they gained their wealth by staying really close knit with the Roman authorities. And so as we kind of as we start reading this, this these kind of tests go on even through chapter 22. But we see Jesus is just kind of getting um, poked and prodded by the Sadducees and the Pharisees first. And you, you, normally these two people are rivals, but they take the enemy of my enemy as my friend deal to a whole new level. And so they challenge Jesus to explain his authority and will more of his source of authority uh, that we're going to read here in a second, because under Pharisaic rule, no one was allowed to teach unless they were properly trained. And to some extent, churches today still follow that standard. We require their, our ministers to have a certain degree or certificate or even in some cases a, a marriage in a lot of uh, places. And so uh, I won't get into it anymore because we're about to read it. Mika? You go? It doesn't matter. You go. I'll go. Um, All right, you go ahead. In oh, man, I'm sorry.
1: You gotta stop it. <laughs> <You gotta laughs> uh, I'm be 23. Yeah, 23. Yeah, 23. Yes, 23. Um, and when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and, and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? And Jesus answered them, I will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism was John. From where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves and saying, um, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. Um, So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you what authority I do these things. Sorry.
0: Oh, okay. And so, like I said, they're asking Jesus to defend how he's been trained and why he has authority to teach in the temple. And, of course, his authority to teach uh, and his knowledge of the Scriptures are no earthly source. Uh, so the answer was he had a personal authority as the Word and the Son of God, and he has given authority by his Father. But interestingly, he did not give that answer out. That he because Jesus kind of knew that the, the Pharisees didn't support his claim to be the Messiah. Um, and so he, in most rabbis' day, they would ask questions with another questions. They would never give full answers. And so Jesus decides to ask another question. And Jesus' public ministry began with the baptism of John. If they had, if they said John's ministry was from heaven, then Jesus could respond that he received his authority from John. And since the Pharisees answered, did not validate that at all, they would be in no position to say Jesus had no authority. So, cause they didn't do that to John. But Jesus knew these men weren't going to say that John's ministry was from heaven because then that would have, you know, put chinks in their armor and they would have gone back on their own word and and to their people would have looked very foolish and and just, you know, wrong in general. And so if they said John had heaven's blessing, then they would have condemned themselves. and, And on the other hand, these men couldn't say that John was a fraud because John was murdered by Herod and he became a hero for it. John was a martyr of Israel. For standing up to Roman authority, so Jesus kind of put these—I love it—he put these Pharisees in a trap. And he, and he, because they couldn't say John's ministry came from heaven, nor could they say that John was operating at his own will. If they answer in favor of John, then they look foolish. But if they go against him, then they risk the crowd's anger and everything that they ever built. And so, if they permitted John's ministry to continue throughout the. Uh, though they didn't know the source of his ministry then why did they question Jesus' because he had so much power over them that they couldn't even understand and so I mean that's kind of all I have they were just going back and forth on Jesus put them in a trap where they couldn't deny themselves because they didn't deny John if they denied John then they could have denied him but they allowed John to keep doing what he did
1: well, I, lo- I love his response. Like, I'm, it's hilarious to a point because just like when you put him into a trap and he, and he asks him this question and he says, well, if you can tell me that, then I'll tell you what authority I'm, uh, you know, and obviously yeah. he knew that he could, they couldn't answer that. Yeah. And so the, their response was, was they didn't make anything up. They just said, couldn't tell you. Yeah, you know, we like, don't know. I guess not. <laughs> Jesus is like, I guess I won't tell you what authority I'm here then. But, you know, I, I find it ironic that and you know obviously I'm big on application and I'm big on you know explaining things through our eyes that's one of my talents as a you know studying the Bible I'm not great on the history part Jackson is but I'm good on why am I reading this yeah and you know you read this at face value and, and all we really see here is the authority of Christ challenged and you read it and you're like eh whatever guys people challenge the authority of Christ every day mm. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many people who won't accept the Bible, who won't live by the Bible, that just refuse to, I don't know how to describe it, just refuse to, to, to take it seriously. Yeah. And I have literally read articles about people questioning the authority of, of God. Well, in what power does this book have over me, questioning the authority? Okay, well, who... I don't believe in Jesus because nobody could possibly do that questioning the authority of Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, all the, and and this little actions that we take that we basically, we say that without saying it. And and people who, and and I want to talk about two different groups of people here. You know, if, if you're a follower of Christ and you make a mistake or you sin or whatever, which we do every day, but you make a mistake or you sin or what have you, that's not questioning the authority of God, okay, if you're a follower of Christ. But these the people that I'm talking about here, the second group of people that want nothing to do with it, that could care less, and that they just don't take it seriously. You know, you think about school, for example, you know, I'm, I'm very much, me as a person, strong-willed, to a point though of if somebody has authority over me out of respect, I'll probably do whatever they say mm-hmm. you know unless it goes against the Bible yeah. but you know you think about school for an example, if your teacher says you need to go to the principal's office then well okay, guess I'm going to the principal's office because you have authority over me. I watch people not do it or I've watched them completely disrespect what somebody of authority has over them. But whatever the situation may be, people just don't take that seriously. You know, we all, most of us, if not all of us, have somebody of authority in the worldly sense over us. You know, my parents, until I turned 18 and moved out, had authority over me. And they still do. You know, I respect their opinion. They don't have as much. 'Cause I'm an adult and pay my own bills and things like that. But I mean, up until I moved out, it was their way or the highway. Like you you just yeah. and you don't question that. <laughs>
0: They're my parents. Yeah.
1: You know, or a teacher or a boss at work. Hey, doing you gotta stay late today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cancel my plans. My boss says I've gotta stay. Yeah. That's just how life is. I've got somebody of authority over me over at work. So do you. If they say something, oh, all right. Whatever I have planned. Okay, I got to I got to do it, and that's the thing. That's the problem with the world right now, is we take our plans and put them above God's authority, and we say, I don't know who this guy thinks he is by telling me that I need to 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 quit getting drunk every night and and quit having sex with all these women with, women or men before I get married, and and and. Uh, who who has any right to tell me what to do? Yeah. Jesus Christ has every right yeah. to tell you what to do because he's the ultimate authoritative figure. Okay, so all of that to say, let's put this into perspective. If you worship God or you have excuse me a relationship with God solely because he's your authoritative figure, you will fail. You need to have a relationship with God because you want to. You know, I love my dad. I love my mom, not because they have authority over me, but because they're my mom and dad. So in the same regard, we need to love our father, Christ, love God because he's our father. And then the respect of the authoritative part comes in after that. And no respect. If you notice the lack of respect whenever in verse 23, um, people uh, the elders and chief priests, they come up to him as he was teaching. Not before, not after, not just, hey, can I catch you outside? Yeah. From the way the English Standard Version translates it, interrupts it.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's not cool. That is showing total disrespect. Yeah. And so the same way that we respect worldly authority figures, you know, the president, and I'm not going to get into this speech, but I mean, though I disagree with some things going on, he's the president. I respect him for that. Yeah. Okay. Christ is above all. Mm -hmm. Christ is a mountain mover. Christ is the most powerful being in the world. Yeah. We should have respect over him. Because he has every right to help us make decisions. Yeah. He has every right to call us out by his word and allow us to live a better life. Yeah. So I'm not trying to get on this crazy tangent here, but I love how you see the disrespect here and it has gone on and on for 2,000 plus years. Yeah. And not stopped. So, but anyway, I'll let you pick up verse 28.
0: Gotcha. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work at the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. He answered him, I go, sir, and did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and did not believe... And you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds um, or believe him. So Jesus, again, asks a question in the form of a parable of which son actually did the will of his father. And they answered rightly. uh, The first son obeyed his father. And then Jesus takes that parable and breaks it down into more and saying that the first son is compared to a prostitute and a tax collector. Where they were openly at the time disobeying god but for a time is the the key word here because in the end they responded to john and jesus in repentance and and proving that in the end they will and they did do the will of the father and then jesus compares the second son where he says i go sir and but did not go saying that they are all show all for their obedience or whatever you know they were uh, what do they have? They had those boxes or whatever on, those, on their head that mm-hmm. symbolized that they were, and they openly prayed. And they were all for God at the moment, but in the end, they weren't. And then Jesus says that. Well, even as it, he says, as a result, you know, they were these people who were openly rebellious, but rebellious, but still repented and did the will. In the end, we're going to enter the kingdom before these hypocritical leaders. And because in the end, you know, what matters is where we end, not where we begin. Because we all start at the same place, we start without hope, and that's why we all need God's grace. But the religious leaders went to the end of their lives thinking righteous that they were righteous and they were out without sin. And for the same reason, they never acknowledged John and the ministry. and And Jesus points out in verse thirty two that they refused to acknowledge God's clear and obvious work, and and because of that, they turned a blind eye to John's anointing and also to jesus and their hearts had no interest in serving god only to appear to serve god and these men were were like the second son waiting uh, wanting the appearance of, of obedience but not willing to make any sacrifices to to obtain it so jesus jesus passes his first encounter on this third day here and he shows his authority that cannot be challenged by rabbis so he, so he realizes uh, so realize this as you know we minister and, and you know we talk to other people that you know we ha- we won't always make people happy you know uh, the only person that we really have to make happy and you know sometimes um, that unhappiness becomes repentance you know that's why we're ministering for a chance to bring a soul into, in, you know, into heaven so sometimes we might not make people happy even in our ministry and sometimes that's the right thing to do and that's the will of God and we we shouldn't question we shouldn't you know, question is authority.
1: Well, I, I'll tell you, I was thinking about this, um, as you read it, you know, think about, I don't know, I'm not into like the fine arts and, and all these things. I'm really, I mean, I'll, they're cool. I, I wouldn't be opposed to going watching a play. I want to go to a Broadway play one day. Hamilton. You know, I would, whoo, Alexander <laughs> Hamilton. My gosh, it's pure talent. Anyway, yeah. but I, I wouldn't say that I'm like a connoisseur of the fine arts. But I was watching like a documentary that I found at night when I'm on my phone. Like like I'll get on YouTube and like start watching something, and then I will spiral out of control. (laughs) And a couple nights ago, I was watching this video about like a Broadway play and all of the work that goes into it. Yeah, and they called it Behind the Curtain. Uh, of the engineers that are having to build stuff, the sound en- engineers, the the production engineers, the it goes on and on. Okay, even, okay, let's even put it on a smaller scale. Think about our worship service at church. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things that that have to happen in order to have a worship set up on the screen. In order for you know a sermon planning that has to go into that, you know the assignments. I mean, there's just a lot of things that. You don't just walk in the church and just ta da. Yeah. There's work that has to go down every week before that happens to ensure it gets done. Now, back to this behind the scenes or behind the curtain documentary thing I watched. It takes for a Broadway play to happen, it takes over a year of prep work. Wow. For it to actually happen. Okay. And think about the people behind the curtain that are doing the work. So, in the same way, you know, you have people that that call on Christ. You have people that that acknowledge that I'm a Christian, but they're not doing any work. You know, there I can think of several people. You know, tele telepreachers and. I'm not going to throw anybody's name under the bus. But, I mean, we know people who are famous on social media, who are multi-millionaires because they're preachers and all these things. But when the day of judgment happens, if you're not doing the will of God, if you're not doing the work for God, what's going to happen? The people that are really going to get the glory are the Christians behind the curtain. The Christians that are doing the will of God and not seeking any glory, the people who are doing the will of God that that aren't announcing it to everybody, that's the people that you should look up to. That's That's the heroes of our Christian faith. And I'm not saying the people that do the Broadway plays are wrong. Okay, the people, the stars, that's great too. Okay, but without the people behind the curtain doing the work... It wouldn't happen. Yeah. You know, and so that's the way we should be as Christians. You know, I want to do the will of God because I love God. Yeah. I'll do anything for him. And and maybe we don't do it at the start. You know, it's like in this parable, the first son, yeah, I'll go. And then he didn't go. But then he changed his mind. That's okay. Yeah. Better than to never do it at all. But be the Christian behind the curtain that's doing the work, that's doing it and not seeking the glory. Not wanting to the crowd to give him a standing ovation because that's not that's not what being a Christian's about. You know, we, I went to a funeral today for a 94 year old woman, and I didn't know this. Um, she goes to church with me in Jackson. She got married in 1948, and her husband died in 1951. Oh wow! They got married when they were 21. He died at 24. Wow. She never remarried, ever. And I had no idea. I've gone on church with this woman for three and a half years. I didn't know that. I, th- I thought he died like recently. So she, for the rest of her life, she labored as a Christian independently. She She did the things that she had to do by herself. Never had any kids, nothing. But she took care of her family. She took care of her friends. She did whatever she had to do, and she did it by herself. That is a Christian behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. That's doing the work, but not seeking the glory of it. And again, maybe, maybe you, say you're, you say you're a Christian, and at first you don't do so hot. But then you say, you know what, I need to, I need to fix it. Great. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Because the work that we do behind the curtain is worth it. The work that we do as Christians that nobody else sees is worth it. We don't have to get the glory. We don't, because there will be plenty of glory in heaven that we earn, not earn, we don't earn heaven, but there's plenty of glory that we're going to get to receive solely by being in the presence of Jesus. Yeah. That makes everything in our life that we have done worth it. Right. You know, and the reason why, kind of tying up my thoughts here, the reason why the people behind the curtain keep doing the work is because these people showing their salaries made killer money. I mean, I wanna I wanna go work there. <laughs> but I don't I don't need anybody to know. I mean, six figure salaries they were they were golden. But they kept doing that. They didn't care who knew. They didn't care if their name was in the credit. They were providing for their family, and that in the sense is their reward for doing that job. But our reward is if you work your entire life, even if nobody knows it, even if you're you're doing things for people and you're showing God's love and you're, you're bringing people to Christ and nobody knows, that's fine because the reward that you get in heaven far surpasses anything that we can ever fathom. And so that that's that's just what I thought of while I was reading this. But going on in anything else from that one. In verse thirty-three <coughs> excuse me, it says here another parable, there was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it, and dug a wine press in it, and built a tower, and leased it to his tenants, and went into another country. And when the season for fruit draw near, he sent his servants and to the tenants to get his fruit. And the servants um, or the tenants "...took his servants, beat one, killed another, and stoned another. And again he sent other servants more than the first, and they did the same to them. So finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. And when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? they said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death... And let out the vineyard, um, rent out the vineyard to the other tenants who will give him the fruits um, in their season. So Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to, the, to a people producing its fruit. And the other who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. So when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them, and although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet.
0: And so, this, to me, is, or to a lot of other people, is one of the most important parables in Matthew's Gospel. This, This one parable here explains Jesus' contentious relationship with the religious leaders of Israel, and ultimately why he goes to the cross. And so, You know, these people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Herodians, are all suffering from external righteousness versus internal righteousness. You know, we just read a parable where they were wanting to obey God on the outside, but in the inside they weren't. They were denying it. And so to kind of decode this parable real quick to, you know, the landowner obviously represents God. He he created Israel. He planted her in the land which God gave to, to his people, and he gave them everything they needed. He even pushed out the Canaanites. And defeating all their uh, enemies he brought rain on the appointed day caused the ground to get forth it's its blessings and you know abundance milk and honey you know that putting it all under one thing and then the vineyard obviously represents Israel and then uh, the custodians or the you know the people who came the the robbers and the servants were uh, were the leaders of Israel and then the slaves represented the prophets of Israel you know these men told Israel they were they must give the Lord his harvest of good fruit, and and they did listen, so the landowner who given them more than enough opportunity to repent, he, by sending his son, and obviously that is represented by Jesus, but they knew the Messiah would, would rule, but Jesus being the Messiah would kind of put them at a power, power loss, and that's the whole big issue of this is that the Pharisees are very prideful and arrogant, and... Because Jesus denounced the Mishnah, and that's what gave them all the power. And so they conspired to put an end to Jesus' claim. And so they ultimately throw him out of the city and nail him to a cross and hand him to the Romans. And so this is, you know, and then we keep going, and I'm just running through describing everything. And then going to verse 42. 42, thank you. And so they answered him, and without realizing this parable is without them, they give the very logical answer. You know, the religious leaders say that the landowner should bring these men to a terrible end and give his land to someone who would care for it obediently. And so, which is easier? Is it easier to look righteous or to be righteous? Uh, the Pharisees looked very righteous. You know, they did all they they could. They, they maintained their appearance with hard work. Those men usually engaged in, like, elaborate rituals and, and you know, washings that would take all day. But their righteousness was... Purely and entirely externally, meaning it, it consisted only of behaviors and not, you know, these behaviors masked their true nature. And, you know, my point of all of this is that we, we work hard and, you know, if we work hard enough, we can make ourselves appear to be some someone or something we aren't. And that's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees worked incredibly hard adopting mannerisms, habits, uh, styles of living to project a certain image of their 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 audience to the Jewish people, but underneath this you know this mask, their their true nature was still there because it was all it was all just an act, and you know God God's not fooled you know He God knows the intentions of our hearts you know true righteousness is uh, happens inside of us you know as our spirit is made righteous you know in faith with Jesus but in order to receive that uh, we have to receive it by faith and we have to first repent of self righteousness uh, of any of any effort. You know, we have to drop the act that we're trying to show people and really focus on what really matters. And the Pharisees' way of thinking is still at large. Billions of people still today substitute external righteousness for what truly is happening on the inside. And it's all an act. One uh, one that someone taught them that would please God and none of it and none of its changes will, will really happen on the inside.
1: You know, one thing I, I taught a class over this parable in Bible college. We had a a semester where we literally solely focused on parables and their teachings. That was the name of the class, Parables and Their Teachings. And so at the end of, I guess, my final was I had to pick a parable and teach, teach about it. And so it was first come, first serve. So the moment he said that, I shot my hand up, and I was like, I would like... um, Matthew twenty one. <laughs> like, this is one of my favorite parables. Just like what Jackson was saying, And the most impactful because you know we see firsthand the amount of disrespect. Yeah. Okay. And as as Jackson mentioned, um, the landowner obviously represents God, and what I'll focus on the vineyard being His kingdom, mm-hmm. and we see you know these tenants that are supposed to be working the land these these paid they're gonna get a cut of it, but you know, you're know you laboring essentially for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so when when he sends his servants and they disrespect them and kill them, and then, well, I'll try again, okay? First of all, let's just put this in our perspective. If I own something and I'm paying somebody to look after it, when it's time to make the money and I send somebody and they kill them,
0: like, <laughs> I'm not sending anyone else. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna
1: come myself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> with a fortress, like
1: yeah. with an, with you know, with everything I've got. Yeah. But instead, you know, well, I'll just send some more servants, mm-hmm. and they do the same thing. Okay, and then this is what floors me. Well, I'll send my child, my son, and if I send my one and only son. Then surely they'll respect him. Mm -hmm. Imagine being that son, (laughs) in the worldly sense. Yeah. Imagine. Okay, this is all get out. Okay, bud. Go collect this money. Pat on the butt. Go on. Are you you sure, Dad? (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) You know, but think about that though. Jesus feels the emotions that we feel. So how would you feel, in? As a worldly, you know yourself. If I'm your dad, which a lot of people mistake me for Jackson's dad, it happens why, more than what you think. We're
0: That was scary. That was a little weird. Some ice just fell from the fridge. Anyway.
1: anyway, um, we're four years apart. Yeah. But anyway, so imagine you. If I said, "Okay, son, go Father to me. go collect money from these killers, please." Uh, You're not you're gonna have some reservations. Yeah, I'd be like, You're you're gonna gonna have like and obviously when you get there, I'm sorry, but you're not gonna want to be there. Yeah. At tell me, at any point in Jesus' ministry, who feels the same emotions that we feel, at what point does he show us in the New Testament in his life that he does not want to be here? Yeah. He knows what kind of people that we are, Mm -hmm. or that these people were. He knows But not at any point did he not want to be there. Yeah. Not at any point did he seem frustrated with the people he was trying to help. I mean, nothing. There was one time that he showed his anger in the temple. Yeah,
0: and we read about it earlier. (laughs)
1: But, yeah, there's an episode about it. But never did he not want to be there. His anger, and I believe this can happen, his anger was out of love. Yeah. And he was angry, but he didn't sin. That's what's crazy. We can have anger out of love sometimes. Yeah. But that's how powerful of a God that we serve. When we're living in a wicked generation back then, mm-hmm. and so God sends a Savior, his only son, and he goes not because he has to, but because he wanted to, because he loved us. Think about the gravity of that. Yeah. And then you read, in my opinion, one of the most powerful verses in the New Testament, verse 42, when it says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was God's doing. He yeah. knew what he was doing. So you have this, this stone that the builders are like, yeah, you know what, let's just put this in you know, a cornerstone. And it says we don't call it that anymore. Yeah. Okay, but a cornerstone is, let's call it a load-bearing wall. You know, if I want to open up my kitchen, I can't take out the load-bearing wall because there's things that rely on it in order to help the house stand up. Yeah. You know, I can't have a functional house if I take off all the trusses. Yeah. It's not going to work out, okay? (laughs) But the stone that the builders rejected that everyone looked at and said, you know what, forget about that, has become the cornerstone, has become the load-bearing wall that holds everything else up. Yeah that's the Lord's doing God knew what he was doing I'm going to send my son because they're going to respect him and then what happens in the parable um, they conspire and then this is the heir come let us kill him and that's what's happening
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's what's happening to Jesus and that's ended up as we go through this we're going to get to his crucifixion we know that that's what happens mm-hmm. but I'm going to get emotional <laughs> I mean that's, that's he never didn't care yeah. He came here because he loved us, and if that doesn't fire you up to serve God, I don't know what will. Yeah. Because I'm, I want you to think about those emotions. If you were in this scenario, what would you feel like if Dad says, "All right, pal, good luck."
0: <laughs> um, sport! <laughs> I'm gonna
1: like get on a plane to somewhere else. Yeah. I'm gonna pull a Jonah. <laughs> I ain't going to NFL. <laughs> okay, but think about that. I mean, that's that's amazing because. That's the God that we serve. Mm -hmm. And you only, you know, you you don't gravitate. This is just me. If someone doesn't love me or gravitate towards me, I don't want to be friends with you. Yeah. Because you don't care about me. I don't want to be around you. But we can serve a God on this earth that loves us. And then we can go spend eternity with people, with a savior who loves us unconditionally why would you not want to do that why or versus the other option is to go spend time with somebody who could care less who you are Yeah. I don't understand if that doesn't fire you up to be a Christian to serve God then we need to have a talk Yeah. because that's how much Christ loves you because he knew what was going to happen, but yet he did it anyway, because that's how much he cares. So that wraps up
0: 21. 21.
1: That's all I got to say. That's all I got. So we hope you have a great week and try to stay out of trouble. Yes.
0: Sorry for the delay, but we're back. Normal schedule.
1: We're back, as what ACDC says. Have a great week. Love you. Love you. Bye. I got to hit the stop button. So. Love you. Bye again. (laughs)